Hey folks, this is Jesse Cope, back with another episode of the American Soul Podcast. Hope y'all are doing well, wherever y'all are, whatever part of the day you're in. Sure do appreciate y'all giving me a little bit of your time. For those of y'all that continue to share the podcast and to help it to grow month after month, I'm I'm incredibly grateful and humbled by that. I'm pretty shocked by it, honestly. Thank you, Lord, for a little time to sit on the porch and do this podcast. And for the people that listen to it and share it. If my voice sounds a little more off than normal folks, my body's trying to decide whether it's going to let allergies or a cold or something take over or not. So I apologize in advance. We'll see. Maybe it's just a fleeting whatever, hopefully. I think that's about it. No puppy dogs, no kitty cats. Just a rooster in the background. Who seems very insistent to let everybody know that he's there. So the last couple days, we spent on the military and some of the things that are going on in our military right now, which really have been coming for decades, folks. Make no mistake about it. It, it you, you hear so often people talking today about, well, it's it's this politician, it's Biden, it's it's Pelosi, it's whoever, it's the Joint Chief of Staff. This has been coming for a long time, and we've let it happen. So. Be a little harsh here. If you, those of us that consider ourselves Christians, patriots who love America, you really want to look at whose fault it is. We just need to look in the mirror. Because we've allowed the left to come in and say, well, you can't have God in schools. You can't teach our children God. Despite the fact that our founding fathers said the opposite. And we've allowed them to come in and say, well, you you can't have God. You can't have those principles of the Bible in military or public life in any form or facet. We've said, okay, well, a baby doesn't have the right to life. A mother can murder her own child. We're not going to call it murder. We're just going to call it the ability to choose. And we said, okay. And the list continues, folks. But anyway, you get the point. But what I'd like to do today is I'd like to read part of the farewell speech given by Douglas MacArthur, who was not a perfect man, folks, by any stretch of the imagination. But none of these people that I talk about, men or women, are. The point is that they recognize the principles that were perfect. And that's that's the divide in America today. You have those that recognize those principles. Realize that they have to strive for them. 
realize that they're going to fail and that they have to seek forgiveness and that there are consequences when they do fail in this world. That there's eternal forgiveness, but that, that, that doesn't save us from, from our earthly consequences. And then you have another side of citizens that pretend that there are no principles. There is no wrong or right. There is no truth. And that everybody gets to do what everybody wants. That's why I just saw a video out in New York last night with a car heist in the middle of the day. That's, it's not because that's just the way it is in certain places. It's that way because of the principles or lack of principles in those places. So we're going to read a little bit of the speech he gave to West Point. This was his farewell speech. If you don't know much about Douglas MacArthur, Supreme Commander of Allied Forces in the Pacific during World War II, celebrated for having liberated the Philippine Islands from oppressive, from oppression and for having received the surrender of the Japanese forces in Tokyo Bay on the USS Missouri, September 3rd, 1945. Five-star general and commander of the UN forces during the Korean War. I will read this little quote. Well, I'll come back to it. We'll go ahead and get into, and I'm just going to read a section, folks. It's really a great farewell speech. Um, and I'll read a couple pages of it. This is from May 12, 1962, given to the Corps cadets at West Point. Duty, honor, country. Those three hollowed words reverently dictate what you ought to be, what you can be, what you will be. They are your rallying points to build courage when courage seems to fail to regain faith when there seems to be little cause for faith, to create hope when hope becomes forlorn. Unhappily, I possess neither the eloquence of diction, that poetry of imagination, nor that brilliance of metaphor to tell you all that they mean. The unbelievers will say that they are but words, but a slogan, but a flamboyant phrase, Every pedant, every demagogue, every cynic, every hypocrite, every troublemaker, and, I am sorry to say, some others of an entirely different character, will try to downgrade them even to the extent of mockery and ridicule. But these are some of the things they do. They build your basic character. They mold you. For your future roles as the custodians of the nation's defense. They make you strong enough to know when you are weak and brave enough to face yourself when you are afraid. They teach you to be proud and unbending and honest failure, but humble and gentle in success. Not to substitute words for action, not to seek the path of comfort, but to face the stress and spur of difficulty and challenge. To learn to stand up in the storm, but to have compassion on those who fail. 
to master yourself before you seek to master others. To have a heart that is clean, a goal that is high. To learn to laugh, yet never forget how to weep. To reach into the future, yet never neglect the past. To be serious, yet never to take yourself too seriously. To be modest so that you will remember the simplicity of true greatness. The open mind of true wisdom. The meekness of true strength. They give you a temperate will, a quality of imagination, a vigor of the emotions, a freshness of the deep springs of life, a temperamental predominance of courage over timidity, an appetite for adventure over love of ease. They create in your heart the sense of wonder, the unfailing hope of what next, and the joy and inspiration of life. They teach you in this way to be an officer and a gentleman. (laughs) Folks, that's just the start, and I dare say that our military today, uh, from what the left is pushing, they're not pushing duty, honor, and courage, what it means to be an officer and a gentleman. You can't even use the word gentleman today in the military because of the left. And we are not pushing duty, nor honor, nor courage. We're pushing inclusive, diversity, wokeness. We're, we're pushing sexual immorality, just immorality in general. Lack of standards, lowering standards. And what sort of soldiers are those you are to lead? Are they reliable? Are they brave? Are they capable of victory? Their story is known to all of you, and it is the story of the American man at arms. My estimate of him was formed on the battlefields many, many years ago and has never changed. I regarded him then, as I regard him now, as one of the world's noblest figures, not only as one of the finest military characters, but also as one of the most stainless. (laughs) It's a big point there, folks, stainless. Pure and stainless, meaning not given to immorality and evil. His name and fame are the birthright of every American citizen. In his youth and strength, his love and loyalty, he gave all that mortality can give. He needs no eulogy from me, nor from any other man. He has written his own history and written it in red on his enemy's breast. But when I think of his patience under adversity, of his courage under fire, and his modesty and victory, I am filled with an emotion of admiration I cannot put into words. He belongs to history as furnishing one of the greatest examples of successful patriotism. He belongs to posterity as the instructor of future generations in the principles of liberty and freedom. He belongs to the present to us by his virtues and his achievements. Remember, folks, 
as we've talked about so often, patriotism, principles of liberty, love of these things, love of freedom, they can only come from the principles laid out in the Bible. Our founders and great leaders have repeated that constantly. We've talked about it now for well over a year on this podcast, and we're still just scratching the surface. In 20 campaigns on 100 battlefields around 1,000 campfires, I have witnessed that enduring fortitude, that patriotic self-abnegation, and that invincible determination which have carved his statue in the hearts of his people. From one end of the world to the other, he has drained deep the chalice of courage. As I listened to those songs of the Glee Club in memory's eye, I could see those staggering columns of the First World War, bending under soggy packs on many a weary march. From dripping dusk to drizzling dawn, slogging ankle-deep through mire of shell-pocked roads. To form grimly for the attack, blue-lipped, covered with sludge and mud, chilled by the wind and rain, driving home to their objective, and for many, to the judgment seat of God. (laughs) Every time, folks, we go back to God. I do not know the dignity of their birth, but I do know the glory of their death. They died unquestioning, uncomplaining, with faith in their hearts and on their lips, the hope that we would go on to victory. Always for them, duty, honor, country. Always their blood and sweat and tears as they saw the way and the light. And 20 years after, on the other side of the globe, against the filth of dirty foxholes, the stench of ghostly trenches, the slime of dripping dugouts, those boiling suns on the relentless heat, those torrential rains of devastating storms, the loneliness and utter desolation of jungle trails, the bitterness of long separation of those they loved and cherished, the deadly pestilence of tropic disease, the horror of stricken areas of war, their resolute and determined defense, their swift and sure attack, their indomitable purpose, their complete and decisive victory, always victory, always through the bloody haze of their last reverberating shot, the vision of gaunt, ghastly men reverently following your password of duty, honor, courage. We owe these men so much and we're giving them so little. We're betraying them today, folks, because we want to be inclusive. We want to be diverse. We want to pretend that men and women are the same. We want to pretend that homosexually, homosexual and transgenderism are okay. And none of it's true. And who pays the price? Some of you have sons that are about this age. Some of you have son-in-laws, brothers siblings. Those are the men in the military and in police, firefighters that we're betraying. Every time we pretend 
that it's okay and we weaken the military. We're betraying them. We're costing lives. The code which those words perpetuate embraces the highest moral laws and will stand the test of any ethics or philosophies ever promulgated for the uplift of mankind. Its requirements are for those things that are right and its restraints are from the things that are wrong. The soldier above all other men is required to practice the greatest act of religious training, sacrifice. In battle and in the face of danger and death, he discloses those divine attributes which his maker gave him when he created man in his own image. No physical courage and no brute instinct can take the place of the divine help which alone can sustain him. However horrible the incidents of war may be, the soldier who is called upon to offer and to give his life for his country is the noblest development of mankind. Folks, that's what we ought to be striving for. And sadly, that's exactly what we're striving against and leaving. We expect the most out of our soldiers, Marines, sailors, airmen, or at least we should, we used to. Today, we tell them that men are women and women are men. And it doesn't matter whether you pass the same standards or not. We're going to pretend that you're the same or we're going to lower the standards until they are the same. Our enemies aren't China or Russia, external, I mean, or even more to the point, they're not internal, which is where they really are. Our enemy is the climate. Or our enemy is extremism based on race. You notice MacArthur never once talked about race. Uh, I'm a Marine, so I'm biased. I'm sure given some time I could come up with something from my beloved core from the past. And maybe I'll dig around and see what I can find. Uh, but MacArthur seemed to fit the bill today. This is what the military should be. This is what it must be, but it can't be that, folks, if we, as private citizens, don't turn back to God in our individual lives, those principles. Coolidge said that if the principles of the Bible ever cease to be practically universal in our country, then, then the foundations of society and government will fall, and that's exactly where we're at today, folks. We either have a fight coming or we have a continued fall into the darkness and depths and despair of Stalinist Russia, Nazi Germany, Maoist China. There is no reconciliation or coexistence with people that continue to stand for, vote for, or be indifferent, perhaps worst of all, to the evil values of the godless left. Listen to MacArthur's words again. Take courage that there is a right, true path out there. There is a right and wrong, folks. There is a better way. There is a truth in the way and the life. 
His name is Jesus Christ, and for our country, he has always been a guiding beacon. And if we'll turn back to him, he will be again. God bless y'all. God bless your families. God bless America. We'll talk to y'all again real soon. Looking forward to it.